When we turn to Matthew chapter 12, So Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. So this morning I would like to talk about the gentleness of Christ. Now in this particular section, um, the usual interpretation of this verse is taken that a battered reed and a smoldering wick is a Christian. Uh, But this morning, I would like to actually propose a different interpretation, um, that the author's primary focus is actually on the response of Christ and how he gently handles the Pharisees. Um, But keep this in mind, too, though, that even though I think that this is the primary focus of this passage, that it should lead us to understand more of the magnitude of Christ's gentleness towards the believers. So before we actually get into this section here, um, so this, this verse, this is a part of a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 42. So let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah 42. And we can see here that the words are very similar. So the, the prophecy here in Isaiah 42, uh, verses 1 through 4, are pretty identical uh, to there in Matthew 12, verses 18 through 21. Just a, a few little differences, but they're very, very similar. And so he says here in Isaiah 42, 3, A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish, which again is very similar. Um, so also within this t- context here, let's also look at maybe a few words just to kind of keep in mind as we approach this section in Matthew 12. So in order to do so, we actually kind of need to turn back just a a little bit further to Isaiah 36. Sorry for all the page turning here at the beginning. I promise we'll settle in Matthew 12 here. Uh, So 36 and verses 4 through 6. So here is Assyria is coming against um, Jerusalem. And Rabshakeh, who's the commander of the Assyrian army, said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What is this confidence that you have? I say your counsel and strength for the war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. So you you see that phrase there. That sounds very, very similar, right, to a bruised reed he will not break. Also, if we turn to Isaiah 43, and starting in verse 14, he says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake I have sent to Babylon, and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. 
They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. See? A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. So you see kind of within that context there in Isaiah, you see how he's using some of those words. So now let's, let's go back to Matthew 12 here, and we'll stay here in Matthew. So let's start with uh, at the beginning of the chapter, and let's go into this prophecy here. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of the grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. Isn't it amazing? It's like, why, why is it every single time? It's like Christ does something, and the Pharisees are always there surrounding him. They're, I mean, they're kind of like birds of prey, just like waiting just to pounce on the Lord, just waiting for an accusation, like wanting to, just to take a hold of him. But what happens every single time? Christ avoids it, right? Christ gives his arguments, and they're shut down, and they can't say anything in, re- in response. So what, what, what does Christ say here? He gives five arguments here. But he said to him, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priest alone. So that was number one. Number two, or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? Number three, but I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. Four, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. And five, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So you see here this reed that was standing up, right? In in a sense, this wicked nation like Egypt. And what does Christ do? It's like he bruises this reed. But does he completely crush the reed? Does he completely crush them right here? No, what does it say? It says, departing from there. Departing from there, he went on to the synagogue. And a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? And here, yet again, here's another example of just the the evil within man's heart. It's like here they are in this synagogue, and it's like they purposely brought this man with a withered hand in here in, in, in order to try to accuse Jesus Christ. And so they're, they're trying to set him up. So what happens here? He says, um, What man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? It's almost, which I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it's, it's almost like this has actually happened to some of them, right? Because they don't say anything in response. <laughs> so it's like they've, they themselves have, have done this. And they, they don't say a word about this. And then he goes and he, he pushes it further. And he says, how much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. You know, they're constantly asking him, is it lawful? Is it lawful? You know, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, 
as to how they might destroy him. So here again, here you have the system with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Christ comes in and almost like blows them out, <laughs> you know, but not completely, right? He, he leaves them because what happens here? So the Pharisees go out and they're conspiring against him. But what does Jesus do? But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all and warned them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. And that's, that's a very important verse here. I'm going to reverse here. So verse 16, he warned them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. And he goes on and says, my beloved in whom, I'm sorry, my, behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. So really the, the, the central point of this prophecy, the reason why Matthew brings this prophecy up and showing, hey, look, this was fulfilled, is not verse 20, but it's actually 19. He will not quarrel nor cry out. Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. See, when Jesus went out, he wasn't quarreling with the Pharisees. He wasn't angrily arguing with the Pharisees, trying to promote himself, right? He wasn't going and crying out, like crying out in distress. Like, look, look, everybody, look what they're doing. They're, they're accusing me, and they're, they're trying to form this mob against me, like trying to bring attention to himself. And he wasn't also, he wasn't proclaiming, um, or it says, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. It, it, he wasn't like proudly proclaiming his name in the streets. What was he doing? He was going about town from town, speaking truth, sharing things, healing people, but then withdrawing. Like that's the constant life of Jesus Christ. He would, he would speak, withdraw, speak, withdraw. They would try to make him king. What would he do? He would withdraw. It's like he was letting the, the system go on and on. Why? Well, we know. I mean, as it says there in Acts 2, it was the predetermined plan of God the Father to crucify the Son through them, right? God used that system to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, to, to bring this down here, so again, I was wanting to talk about the gentleness of Christ. And so here is where this is. How do you see, how, how did Jesus deal with the Pharisees? How did he deal with them? See, he allowed their system that was falling like a bruised reed to not be fully crushed. Though he could have extinguished the smoldering wick of their rule, he allowed them to still burn. And let's, let's think about that. Like what, what gentleness that was there that delicately handling them to not, again, to promote himself and to make him king, holding back the crowds. The greatest portrayal of gentleness is not with those you love, but towards your enemies. See, I mean, think about that. Like, do you have any enemies? Hopefully you don't, but if you do, how do you deal with them? You know, it's like they can bring out the darkest side of your character. They will bring out your anger. They will bring out murderous thoughts. They'll bring out jealousy, envy, you name it. 
they're going to bring out this dark part of your character. What did it bring out with the Lord Jesus Christ? How did he respond to them? He responded to them in gentleness, right? Think of the forbearance of the Lord Jesus Christ towards these Pharisees. I mean, what gentleness that's there. How did he delicately handle these Pharisees? When the large crowds came with swords to take him away, what happened? Did he pick up his sword trying to fight back? No, he rebuked Peter, didn't he? What did he say? He says, or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So what was this for him? He was gently submitting to the father and showing gentleness to this to the system here and allowing them to take take him. Although Jesus could have refuted the high priests, he was silent. Although Christ could have persuaded Pilate to release him, or to put down the insurrection, he did not. Here it says in uh, Colossians 1, I'm going to change it up a little bit here, but all things have been created through him and for him. And yet through the Spirit, he handed himself over to his creation to be beaten by and hung upon objects of his creation. You see that? You see that humility there? You see that gentleness, himself handing himself over? Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yet he gently and humbly allowed the rulers of the world to bind him, strike him, and crucify him. What was Christ saying during this whole time? Was he boisterously proclaiming himself? You know, was he, you know, crying out in distress? What, what was he doing? First Peter two twenty one through 23. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering... He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges right, righteously. You see how he acted in that. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out. But what's the next part? Until, right? Until he leads justice to victory. And we know what happened. This lamb, this gentle lamb, is also called the Lion of Judah. Right? He is the Lion of Judah. So, yes, he is a gentle lamb, but you don't, you don't corner this gentle lamb. Right? There's a point where until the time is right, and then it's going to rise up, and he will lead justice to victory. And he did. And you see that with the Pharisees. What happened in AD 70? Until he leads justice to victory. Punishment came upon them, right? And they were completely destroyed. You see that gentleness, how long that took. This long suffering and forbearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now I, I promised that 
that this here would actually magnify the gentleness of the Lord Jesus Christ towards believers. And I, I think it does. If Christ is gentle with his enemies, do you think that he will be harsh and cold towards his people? May it never be. You know, let's, let's, see, let's think about some of the, let's think about the life of Jesus Christ and some of the things that he did. Think about how frequently Jesus spent time with tax collectors and sinners, just the tenderness that was there. Think about the woman caught in adultery, caught in the very act of adultery. I mean, she was in the lion's mouth. They were about to stone her. And what does Jesus do? He gently saves her, right? And says, woman, go and sin no more. Just the gentleness and how he handles her. Think of the woman at the well, this foreigner, this adulterer also. What gentleness that he speak to her, speaking truth to her and correcting her, correcting her errors. Think of the children. I mean, how, how many times, did the, you know, bidding the children to come to him. And, and, and think about that. It's, it's kind of a strange thing. I mean, it's not like Santa Claus. You go and you take your, your kids to Santa Claus, and they're afraid to go to him, you know. But it's like they wanted to go to him. It's like they sense this, there's this gentle character about him. They, they, they were drawn to him because of his gentleness. Think of his words to those whom he healed. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of this woman who was dealing with hemorrhaging, in Matthew chapter 9, many years, many years dealing with this. And so finally she goes and she takes up courage and goes and touches just the fringes of his cloak in front of everybody. And then it, it, in front of everybody, it was, it, it was exposed. I, I've been dealing with this bleeding for many years. And what does Jesus say to her? Daughter. You see that? <laughs> the gentleness and love in his words. Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. Think of the transfiguration. Here we have Jesus being glorified. You see, you see this great picture of Christ. And again, this is, is glorification here. And, and you have God, the Father, speaking down to these disciples saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I, who, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. What do the disciples do? I mean, they do the same thing that everybody else has done when they hear the voice of God. They fall down on their faces, trembling. They're fearful. What does Jesus do? He goes up and touches them. He touches them and says, get up, do not be afraid. The gentleness in dealing with his disciples and all of his words. Think of his words to Peter. All right? So he knew that Peter was going to betray him. How would you feel if, if your best friend or your spouse or somebody you know really well, you knew that they were going to betray you? How would you respond to them? Right? You would be asking, what do you think you're doing? You know, uh, you, know you, you might you know, really get on to them for doing such a thing or, or about to do such a thing. But what does Jesus do? It's like he prays for him. Hey, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith may fail not. The compassion, the gentleness that's there dealing with his disciples. The question, am I, so am I personally, am I more gentle with other women than my own wife? Oh, may it never be. You know, that would be adultery, right? Ephesians five twenty-five through 27, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle 
or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Do you see the gentleness in there? Washing her with the, the water. It's not like a fire hydrant, a fire hose, or a power wash. It's, it's a gently bathing, cleansing her, making her spotless and blameless to present in all of her glory the gentleness that's there dealing with his church. Jesus is consistently forbearing with our sins, gently cleansing us through the Spirit, making us holy and blameless. So what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? What do we do with the gentleness of Christ? It, it ought to lead us to some things, right? It ought to provoke us. And, and I, I want to stay true to the text and, and deal with the primary issue first. How did Jesus deal with his enemies, right? So he, he, he was speaking first to his enemies here. Unbeliever, what, what are you doing? How, how are you dealing with the gentleness of your Savior? How much longer will you refuse his call to you to come? It says, I mean, right before this here, Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, what? Gentle. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you want rest for your souls, if you want your sins forgiven, go to our gentle Savior. Do you think he'll deny you? No, may it never be. He is gentle and he can handle your sins. He can handle you very gently. Do not despise or reject his command because please remember, what does it say here? Until he leads justice to victory. There will be a day where you will have to stand before this lion of Judah. And if you refused his calling, what will he do? But now for the Christian, I mean, there's, there's a lot of applications uh, in dealing with the gentleness of Christ. I mean, are you in sin? You know, are you cold or indifferent? Are you, are you depressed? Are you dealing with anger, right? What, what was Christ like? He was, gent- he was submitting to the Father through the Spirit. He was able to handle his enemies reviling him and coming at him with all sorts of charges. If you're struggling with attitude towards your children or towards anybody else, think and meditate upon, upon this, right? Christ, again, submitting to his Father, and he was gentle with, those, with his enemies, those who hated him. I'm going to end with uh, a quote here from Spurgeon, um, talking about the gentleness of Christ. He says that he used no lash or whip, but his love. No battle axe and weapon of war, but his grace. See, how did, how did Christ go and create a kingdom, his kingdom, right? It's not like some other religions where they go out with swords and try to conquer. What did he, what did he do? With gentleness, using a whip of love, you know, using love and using grace. And what, what greater kingdom has anyone else? 